Hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning into the Freedom First podcast with Jake. That's me. Today, I have a very special episode for you. I'm going to be replaying some audio from Libertarians Drinking Coffee Live with Larry Sharp. Larry's a role model of mine. Larry's the guy that convinced me to become a libertarian. He's the guy that convinced me and inspired me to run for office uh, for assembly in in New York. So uh, he's going to be asking the questions this time. He's going to be asking questions about my policies. He's going to be asking me questions about who I am and why I'm running. Hopefully you guys like what I got to say. Without further ado, let's get to Libertarians Drinking Coffee Live, presented by Freedom First with me, Jake. Let's get to it. Welcome, welcome to a very special Libertarians Drinking Coffee Live, and the brand is strong. Absolutely, we are drinking coffee live here, and one of the biggest reasons that we have this happening right now is it's, a, it's an off, off time, right? Usually, I do uh, this around 2 o'clock or so, but I'm doing it a little bit later because I wanted to grab someone very important, a guy who is running really uh, an important campaign in a part of New York State where it really matters, supporting an industry that is really critical, the man himself, Jake Cornell. Jake, how are you, sir? I'm doing well, Larry. How are you? I am doing great. And for more information on Jake, head on over to jakeforassembly.polyengine.com. Go ahead and chat and, and look at him and see what he's doing. It's great. But before you do that, <clears throat> before you do that, please like, comment, and share. If you want people to know that this is important, that people should be talking to us and about us, you got to go here. Like, comment, and share. There's no way that we are going to be able to get around that media blackout that we often get as libertarians if we don't build our own media. This is how we do it. So like, comment, share. Let people know that while this is absolutely about the presidential you know, election year, it is, it's not just that. There's a whole lot of other people making impact working in this in this country in libertarian movement to make things happen and i'm very happy that jake is one of them so jake how are you sir i'm doing very well i think we just had snow yesterday and now it's sunny outside my children are playing outside <laughs> it's you know? crazy isn't it <laughs> it's absolutely abs absolutely so i gotta ask you a question jake that i asked so many people mm -hmm. um why assembly and why now so I decided to run for assembly in February because the people in my district have largely felt misrepresented mm. as someone who manages a small business where adults in the community frequent. Uh, I hear from cops, teachers, nurses, and farmers, and they just, they just feel like their voice doesn't matter anymore. Right. Right. And they, they don't feel represented and I can sympathize. My industry was under attack. I work in the vaping industry of course. and I made my calls to assembly members, senators, and my customers did too, to plead our case. Yep. Uh, and, and when we asked them to represent us, we virtually begged them to save our livelihood and most did not pay attention yes. most. And when it came time for them to speak their piece in the assembly floor, most who listened to us forgot about us. It wow. seemed nobody was fighting for us. So representing representation was not representing right. people in my district largely don't know who their assemblyman is or even what an assemblyman does. And right. I don't blame them. I myself, I'm not hearing anybody fight for our civil liberties. Right. Time, times, times like this. I mean, central New York every year, it gets harder and harder lockdown or not. You know, yeah. that's why, that's why I'm a small government guy because I care deeply about my community. 
We pay too much in taxes, and our government in New York seemingly holds a vendetta on our civil liberties. Constantly. So, so I'm here to make a stand for freedom. I'm here to show everyone that Governor Andrew Cuomo can't make everyone feel small. I'm here to stand up for those who feel like a life in New York is hopeless and give those same people a voice that will go not go quiet that will not go quietly in the night. Yes. Every, every oak begins with an acorn and that tree is growing. So even if we lose in November, we turned heads and we gave the establishment a run for its money. So on behalf of the people of central New York, I'm willing to rise to that challenge. And when you are ready to, if you guys are listening, when you are ready to throw a wrench into the corruption machine down in Albany, I'll be here. I love it. You're going to chuck the first wrench. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So the first wrench. That's it. I love it. Such a great idea. Well, this is, I mean, the, the issues you're bringing up, you know, while I know they, they connect to you in central New York, sure. I think there's a lot of people throughout New York state and even outside who aren't living in a major city who mm -hmm. still feel the same way, who have that same worry that some city, either their capital city or their, their biggest city, right? In the case of, a, I was just talking to a bunch of people from Illinois yesterday. You know, mm -hmm. they have a similar issue. Theirs is Chicago and Springfield, and ours is New York and Albany, right? But it's a similar world of why is one city running the entire state? Why aren't we allowing people to, to be freer within their own communities? Why are we doing that? So I, I'm, I'm sure this is going to resonate with more than mm -hmm. just central New Yorkers. Yeah. And, and, you know, George Washington, when he resigned as president of the United States, he warned us of political parties and he mm -hmm. warned that something like this would happen. And I don't think he thought it would get this bad. But right. look, you know, the downstate Democrats control the rest of the state. And like I've heard you in one of your uh, your podcasts a while back say, um, these are not Democrats. They are cronies and they are yes. Cuomoists. Cuomo yes. is not a Democrat. He is a Cuomoist. And Correct. I love that. And I've used that. I hope you don't mind. Please steal all my stuff. That's why I do this. <laughs> steal everything. Absolutely steal everything. Yes. I, but I think it's true, right? I think Cuomo, if he thought being a fascist would get him elected, he'd be that. If he thought being a communist, he'd be that. He'd be a socialist. He'd be a Green Party guy if he thought, mm -hmm. he, get, if he, thought he would get elected. He just wants to have power. I think that's really the issue with him. But so let me let me go back if I could. February starts. Your we don't have do we have Corona at this point? Is that was, is it flaring or no? It was it was being talked about. The the sores were rumbling, but there wasn't really a worry. Cuomo himself said, "Nah, go 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 ride the subway. Go to Chinatown. It's not that big a deal." The Blasio right. said it. Every Democrat said it. They just wanted to just because. The other party said, this is something we got to be worrying about. They're like, no, no, it's not. And guess what happened? There you go. <laughs> yeah. So what were your big issues when you started? What were the, I mean, I'm, I know you have a lot, but were I there do. one or two of them that were kind of bubbling to the top over the others? Yeah. So the second amendment is probably mm -hmm. the most important to me. I mean, even though my industry is under attack, mm -hmm. it, there, there are issues that are more important to me as a citizen of this country, the sure. second amendment, education, farming. Those are probably the three biggest ones that, that affect my district. Second amendment, education, farming. Yep. And cannabis. Okay. Cannabis is a big one. Okay. Fourth. So let's talk about second amendment first. Sure. So uh, when, when it comes to second amendment, I think, I think someone needs to make the government realize that making people helpless does not make the bad guy harmless. 
And Democrats are starting to realize that. Wait, and I'm not say talking that again. Repeat that. Making people helpless does not make people does not make the bad guy harmless. <laughs> ah, I like it. Making and, and, people helpless doesn't make the bad guy harm. Okay, good. I'm going to steal that too. See, yeah, we're going to be swapping, brother. Take all you want. Take all you want. Take all you want. I don't care. But you know, Democrats, and I'm not talking about the elected officials. I'm talking about people, the the Mm -hmm. real people, voters. Democrats are starting to realize that when you when you have an unprecedented global pandemic like this one, that puts people in the place of fear, locked inside of their homes. It's a wake up call to realize just how important the Second Amendment is. The right to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed was written towards the top of the Bill of Rights for this precise reason, along with many others. This is especially important, especially important for the people in my district who live in the country, miles and miles away from any police station. And those people must be able to invoke their Second Amendment when they have an intruder that threatens their person or their family or property. Absolutely. From there, an individual can hold the intruder at gunpoint until the police arrive or, if necessary, put that intruder down. Mm-hmm. This is why I support the Second Amendment sanctuaries. This this proposal, it happened in somebody proposed in Noniana. But it's yeah. unfortunate that we live in a state that has to resort to such a thing to protect ourselves from a government ran by individuals who don't respect or support the United States Constitution. Yes, absolutely, my friend. I agree. I think the sanctuary yeah. county concept is great. We were calling it home rule. Right, mm-hmm. I tried to bring that up when I was running, but it never really landed the way I wanted it to land. Right, mm-hmm. I, I wasn't able. I was trying to use localization, decentralization. Yeah. The home rule's a bit sexier, but even yeah. that didn't really land. I think yeah. the sanctuary county. I feel like that landed the best. Yeah, and and, and you know, people need to realize, that, especially in the rural community, and I'm talking directly to the the New York City people. No offense, Larry, mm-hmm. no, but no, we in the we in the country are statistically far more responsible with firearms. Leave us alone, please. Yeah, <laughs> one well, size fits all rule yes. doesn't work. You've brought up a a big point. I remember I was doing an event. I think it was in North Country. Mm-hmm. No, it might have been outside. Absolutely, it probably was maybe like outside of New York, maybe Capital District. And somebody was mm. saying, Larry, we need to have people, you New York City people, be more pro-gun. I said, no, we don't at all. I don't need New York City to be pro-gun. I need New York City to be apathetic. Yes, I because agree. Because they're not going to be pro-gun. That's that's a bridge too far. To ask them to be pro-gun is to ask too much. Instead, just let them go, oh, you guys want guns? All right, fine, whatever, whatever. Hey. Exactly. I, I'd be open to, I mean, I don't live in New York City. If if, if there was legislation that, that said we, we're going to ban guns in New York, but we're not going to ban guns where I live in Oneida, or we're not going to ban guns in Plaskai uh, or any name, any co- uh, county or city north of, you know, uh, of Long Island, mm-hmm. you know, it, that's fine. I'm open to that. Let's talk about it. Let's 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 exempt these counties that have statistically been responsible for with firearms forever. Well, I, I would go one step further, right? If if as long as you own a firearm legally, mm-hmm. if you transfer that firearm within New York State, as long as it's locked and unloaded, why do I care what county I'm in? Right? Exactly. Shouldn't matter at all. Right. There, if you remember my whole view on Second Amendment, I only wanted to fix three things off the bat. Right. Sure. One of them was having universal transportation rules, which, as you know, we don't have in New York State. You can travel and take your legally owned firearm into New York City. You're going to jail. Yeah. That shouldn't exist. No. Right? So just 
transport any way you want, who cares? But yeah. the second piece I wanted was I, I wanted to make it to where if you use your firearm in an attempt to stop a crime, that's not a crime. Right yeah. now in New York State, it is. Yeah, and in, in Oneida, in Oneida County where I live, I believe it was last year, somebody broke into this individual's home. The individual shot the intruder, and the person who shot the intruder went to jail. Correct. Because he, the gun wasn't registered in his name. It was registered in his father's name. Yep. Absolutely. And that should not be a crime. That's no. my point. But it is in New York State. And most people who are not in New York, when you say that, they they think I'm lying. Yeah. They don't believe it. They say, oh, you're making that up. But like, no, just that happens. That's how my state works. It's a disaster. Yeah, I have a friend that lives in Georgia, and I told him that story. And he's like, are you kidding me? Yes, absolutely. Are you kidding me? I'm like, yes. yeah, you guys have a great down there. You know, yeah. he's like, how long does it take to get a concealed carry permit up here? I'm like, forever. Yes, that's why I said <laughs> I wanted that to be happen in 90 days. I want it to be the next thing. 90 days. 90 that's days. That's what I wanted. So. All right. That second amendment, I get it. Let's move off to education. Okay. Tell me about that. Why is that your thing or what's your thing there? So education has been important to me for years. My mother-in-law works in education. My mom works in education. My grandmother was a super, uh, the secretary to a superintendent. Um, but New York state's biggest spending is on education. Yes, and we, we, we have both sides of the aisle in a dangerous mindset that more money spent on schools increases the quality of education. And that's just wrong because New York public schools are not blackjack tables. Mm -hmm. It's foolish for the current government to keep dumping money into the education system, hoping that it's going to pay off. We've tried that for years now, and it's not working. Not working. So I think it's important to acknowledge the inefficiencies in our schools is due to the ridiculous regulations and restrictions controlled by the state that weigh down on our educators. The New York state government needs to relax its grip on teachers and eliminate standardized testing policies like no child left behind. But we're going to lose federal funds. We do that, yeah. man. No, that's the thing they're going to tell you. I know. You can't do that. We lose but all the federal bucks. People have to understand that programs like that essentially, essentially just render our elementary and middle schools effectiveness in nourishing a child's education. The same as a first year T-ball programs effectiveness when it comes to teaching skills important to baseball. It, it it also keeps our 11th and 12th graders in what could be described as like an, I call it an adult daycare facility yes. where the kids <laughs> that perform well in middle school are put into like these accelerated programs and kids that needed help in middle school waste their time in study halls. Yes. Uh, no, totally correct. I, I, I love the idea of us, you know, actually understanding that it, how it's not working right? how to standardize testing is just making things horrible. The other part that bothers me about this, and this is, throughout a lot of education. I would think that more teachers would be angry. I think they are, right? We, in New York State and many states, we ask a teacher to get lots of credentials, lots of degrees, pass tests, all these things, have experience in a classroom, be a para-teacher and all kind of stuff. Then they get into the job and we say, don't do anything without us telling you. Yeah. Administrators will tell you everything. Look if you're going to do that with a teacher and tell your teacher, only do what we tell you, hire them out of high school. Why bother yeah. having to get credentials? You've got qualified, smart, credentialed, dedicated people, and you, and you, and you handicap them. 
I don't get it. It's crazy. No, I, I don't get it either. Our, our teachers bear the financial burden of a required master's degree in New York, yes. which leaves the majority of educators in New York with a lifetime of debt on top of teaching mandates set forth by Albany. Uh, New York is one of very few states that require a master's degree mm -hmm. for two reasons. I'll tell you those two reasons. The first is because when people like my mom were seeking a job in the education industry years ago, there was an overwhelming amount of people applying to be educators. Ah. So instead of letting school boards and superintendents raise their hiring standards, the New York State Department of Education did it for them. The second reason why they did this is because they saw an opportunity to earn the state more money because most teachers were going to SUNY or CUNY schools. Got for it. me, it's important that we undo what New York has done and let the local level have authority over the school system. Let teachers teach. Let teachers teach. What's I so know it's crazy. It's and, crazy, and, but we don't do it. And, you know, I'm a young guy. I don't know if you know this. I'm 23 years old. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I just came out of the public edu education system a couple of years ago. I have Absolutely. family that works in this. I can tell you from personal experience, it is broken. Yes. <laughs> All right. So, so let's shift if we could then from education into cannabis. Okay. Cannabis is a, it, it, that's a freedom first issue for me. Oh, I think, hold on, hold on, know, hold on. One thing before we go there, I got a comment. You want to get rid of the new math garbage. Is that true? Ever since the quarantine, I saw parents post new math problems. Why are they trying to complicate simple math? What do you, where do you stand on common core new math? Where, where's your head there? Let me let me tell you about this new math thing. And I, I wish I had a I don't have a pen and paper next to me, but there's these I was okay, so my 12th grade year, and this was five, six, six years ago. Um I took a I took a, a, a fill-in class. I, I was missing a credit, so I took this this basic math skills class that was about the equivalent of a sixth grade math class. It was very, very easy, or at least I thought it would be, because they were teaching us common core math. And the teacher was young and she was like, why don't you guys know any of this? You learned this in middle school. No, we didn't. I don't know what a STEM chart is. I don't need to show my work for what nine times nine is. I just know what it is. Yes. Why, do you need to, why do you need me to write you a paragraph that says, you know, nine times nine equals 81. It's, it's ridiculous. Yes. yes. <laughs> I, I remember the, the biggest issue I have with this is, what what winds up happening is now the parents can't help their kids with homework. No, and they can't uh, because if the if you do it the parents' way, then it's wrong. Yeah, even if you get the right answer, even if you get the right answer, even if you know it's math. It is math. Yes. There, there, there is no if, ands, or buts about math. There is no theory to how you can solve a problem better. If you reach the answer fast enough in a decent amount of time and you get the correct answer, that's the only – math used to be the class where it just used to ask you, what's the answer? Now, right. what's the answer? Explain why you did this. Show your work. Yeah. I, I, I totally get that. The, the, the problem I have with, I actually don't mind the show your work part. That part, what I mind is I mind the show your work and it has to look this way. Yeah. That's I, I, my problem. If you're going to say, I know I went to this spot by nine times, nine or whatever my, my equation is. Yeah. And this is how I got there. I'm fine. You know how you got there. But the mm -hmm. point is that what they're saying is there's only one way to get there. That's my problem, Jake. My problem is there isn't one way 
to get there. There may be many ways to get there, and I don't mind. You know, as you show it, I got it. So you understand the theory, mm-hmm. whatever. But your, my mom um, learned math different than I learned math, and my kids sure. learn math different than I learned math. Sure. So what? Yeah. So, so what? She she can help you with your math equations. You're still going to get the right answer. Thank you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Hundred percent true. Sorry, I just had to go back to because I had a no, bunch of questions. Yeah, you are uh, fine. Roy says, um, um, "Learning the why is um, is correct. It's more work, but worth it. Different issue from incessant testing. Yes, I, I do agree. I think that the testing aspect from knowing why are two separate issues. And my my worry is exactly what I was talking about here. Right. My my concern is. If you're forcing a child to only find a specific answer a specific way, that's very often tied to a test. Our our education system in New York is breeding obedience. Uh, they, yes. they want people to to listen. Even that's that's exactly what we're talking about. It doesn't matter how you got the answer. That's really it, it, they want you to do it their way. They want yes. to create good workers that follow don't that don't have a single thread of skepticism in their entire body, and they want pe- they want these kids to grow up to be obedient. Uh, little workers. And, well, and you know, the issue is, you know, the system was made for industrial and industrial concept, an industrial world, right? Where, yeah. all right, I'm going to spend nine years, maybe not even 12 at the first part, maybe eight years, maybe in school, mm-hmm. you know, 12, maybe probably not. I'm probably going to drop out by the time I'm eighth, ninth grade. And then what I'm going to do, I'm now going to go work in a factory somewhere. Well, look, if, if the, if the future of your child is to be an adult and sit in a room and do what you're told and be a cog in a machine, well, then that education system works perfectly for that, right? It's teaching your kid to do that. But in this world, that's not the way it works anymore. We need creativity. We need ownership. We need, you know, initiative. We need imagination. And this stuff isn't doing it, man. It's not doing it at all. They're, they're, they're preparing them for a test. It's, it's basically memorization classes and do it my way classes. And as long as you can do it my way and memorize what I tell you to memorize, you can forget about it next year because (laughs) all that matters is that everybody passes this test and we get our check because we did well, which disproportion. That's another thing, Larry, you have a system that rewards schools that do well and doesn't reward schools that need help. Yes. We need to give these schools (laughs) that need help more money. I mean, the whole thing is broken. Absolutely. At a hundred percent. All right. So now let's make the shift. Now I'm sorry. I didn't mean to pull you back, but the people wanted to pull you back. So I had to pull you back. You're fine. Let's go to cannabis. Cannabis. So like I said, this is a freedom first issue for me. Um, The criminal system is the first thing I want to talk about. Marijuana arrests fill the criminal legal system with people who shouldn't be there. It's a victimless crime. The biggest claim against cannabis legalizing cannabis right now is that it increases or decriminalizes, you know, they say people get into more car accidents in states that that are legal. And that's just wrong because, because in in those States like Colorado, they had record lows of car accidents once it was legal because instead of drinking beer, wine, and whiskey, which is far more dangerous of a mind altering drug, it's people drove safer. They were smoking weed, right? but because it still remains illegal in New York, this puts even more people in harm's way as coronavirus threatens to devastate jails and prisons 
where the virus can easily spread rapidly. Right. So right. our representatives should be taking immediate action to legalize, which would be a key factor in reducing both arrests and sure. the incarcerated population whom are there at the expense of your tax dollars. But there's a problem here, Jake. I mean, this goes back to the money, right? Sure. If if you're if you're not making cannabis arrests, how are you doing civil asset forfeiture? How are you taking that money to, for law enforcement? Um, how how are you paying your corrections officers, right? How are you doing all those things, right? I mean, there is an issue here. And here's worse: if you legalize cannabis, what about all the pharmaceutical companies who all of a sudden people want to decide to self-medicate? They stop buying prescription drugs. Larry, this is this thing called capitalism, and okay. when a new Tell product me about this thing, this when a new product comes along in the market mm -hmm. and is better than the others, yeah, that rises to the top. And sometimes products are rendered out of fashion, out of date, huh. because they're not as effective as this new product. Why was That's I never taught in, this in school, Jake? I don't know. It's like <laughs> breeding socialist, obedient little workers or something. Oh, my God. It's amazing. <laughs> but, yeah, but I think the other issue you find, and I think one of the reasons why people don't do this <sighs> is because there's a big lobby. There, there is a big lobby on it. Right? Who are trying to throw money at politicians. There mm -hmm. are people who are, who are saying, you know what, no. Uh, I'm going to throw money at you. And there's a there's a problem there, right? I mean, I, I don't think it's as easy as we would like. How would you like to handle cannabis? Is yours one of let's move to a uh, medical first, open mm. medical? Is yours one of, you know, let's regulate it like wine? Is yours one of, you know, let's let's let let's let the, the let's make a license to do it? Where's your head in that? So uh, to me, and I, I would like to think the majority of my district, it, it is far more important that we pull the trigger on legalization so that people can get their hands on a highly therapeutic plant and a much safer intoxicant than alcohol without the fear of being locked up or ticketed by police who don't want to even bother these people to begin with. Absolutely true. Yep. To, to the point that you mentioned, after I claimed, after we claimed the victory of legalization, then we can come to the table on a comprehensive tax and a reasonable regulation that, that's similar to alcohol, that satisfies the need for entrepreneurial dispensary owners, manufacturers, testing facilities, and adult consumers. But it, it's important that we approach this as a freedom first issue. We Got need it. to legalize it first. Then we can talk, make it 21, slap a warning label on it, say this can make you laugh. This can make you sleepy, this you know, make you laugh and, you and know, sleepy. You know, That's it, my warning. Don't it, laugh too much. Damn you. A, put a, put a label on <laughs> this. This product contains tetrahydrocannabinol. Be, you know, be, be worrier of that, you know, THC, just like, you know, this is an alcoholic product or, you know, I, in the vaping industry, we have a nicotine warning on there. Warning oh, sure. nicotine is an addictive chemical. Put a label on it. That's all you need. Just ID okay. them, you know, just like you would alcohol. Sure. We could talk about a license, Give it, make a dispensary, pay a $5,000 a year license if we really have to. But in, in, in the end, it should, should so be. You, so no you more actually are doing something which a lot of libertarians don't like, which I'm on, yeah. I'm on board with you, though. I, sure. I'm on board. But a lot of people aren't. They're like, no, because that validates the government and you can't do that. And it's got to be nothing or no, right? Decrim or nothing. Yeah. You're not there. You're like, no, no, I'll take legalization. I'll take it. And we can move from there. That's we a bit more incremental 
than money libertarians. We need to, we, we as libertarians cannot succumb to the liberal idea of a band-aid problem. We can't just have, we can't just slap a, we gotta, we gotta think things through. Okay. And when we're thinking strategy politically, you have to get your small victories when you can get them. Because in this state, Cuomo's not going to give up a tax. He's uh, not, as yes, long as Governor Cuomo's right. in office, he is not going to give up a tax. So with that in mind, guys, we need to think about just getting this legal. So you're not getting arrested for carrying a joint or a pot cookie. It, the cops don't even want to bother you in most places in this state. Okay. We need to get that victory. Cops want this victory. I talked to cops about this. <laughs> cops want legalization. I was talking to a, an investigator a couple of weeks ago. Um, actually, it was months ago before coronavirus. And he was saying, man, I cannot. I'm not going to say his name, but he said, I cannot wait until legalization. I haven't had that stuff in 25 years. <laughs> and this is the most stressful job. And do you know how much that would help? Yes. <laughs> Cops uh, no, want I get it. it. So, so this kind of goes to your slogan. You and I talked earlier. You have a slogan and it's freedom first. Is that right? Freedom first. It's freedom actually a podcast first. of mine too. I got a podcast too, Larry. Tell me the podcast. Go ahead, pump it right now. Freedom first with Jake. I have interviewed a couple candidates already, including Dwayne Whitmer of Western New York. He's running for Congress and a local assemblyman and a CEO of the a vaping company. So nice. we, we just started a week ago and we are just going to keep pumping out some libertarian media as much as we can. So how do we find it? Pump it real fast. Where do we got to, where do we got to go to? It's on Spotify. It's on my, um, you can, actually go straight to my website which is connected to my facebook page and go. on that website is a little bubble that says media click that media button you'll see all the podcasts there we go i like that so freedom first so that's what you mean right so your goal then becomes let's make it free first then let's figure out how to make it free like hot details of it that's where you go yeah and, and of course you know that doesn't mean just everybody gets weed that's not what i'm talking about what i'm talking about let's let's legalize so businesses can open maybe make it a thousand dollar license or, or whatever. But the, the main thing is that we need to, we need to get this victory. We need to win. We need to legalize first and foremost. And after that, then we can talk about maybe doing a $5,000 dispensary uh, tax. Maybe we can talk about an application fee. Maybe we can talk about whether it should be 18 or 21. But first of all, we need to legalize it. Let 18 to 21 year olds have access to it. And then we approach the minutia that we approach the economics with okay. that we start regulating it as a state. So let's head on over to your last big piece and that's farming. Farming. So I grew up around farms. Uh, I grew up on a bunch of land um, right across the street from me as, as a kid, I guess you could say right across the field was okay. a blueberry field. And on the other side was a tree farm and then a greenhouse. And then down the road, there was a cow farm. I grew up and I worked on farms. Mm -hmm. So uh, on Mother's Day, I actually uh, I treated a local business with my business with my business um, to get my mother, my grandmother, and my my uh, mother in law each a bouquet bouquet of flowers. Oh, nice! So, but we need to support local farmers first. Farmers are the backbone of this nation. Without them, you're not going to be able to eat, guys. Right. Seventy percent of the people on this planet rely on the goods and services that farmers provide to sustain your livelihood. Farming is largely a family business, though, and mm -hmm. how this is how I'm going to get into how we should help them. And unfortunately, farmers are paying the price of an inheritance tax. I hate taxes. 
That leaves a lot of these family businesses money poor, even though they are land rich. When mm -hmm. farmers are the ones who are struggling to literally put bread on the table, we as public servants need to exhaust as much resources as we can get to help them. And there are a number of ways to do that. Let me tell you how we're going to do that. The first way in my mind is to kill that in inheritance tax. Mm. So when ownership transition to someone else in the family, the son or the daughter who ends up with the property doesn't have to face the economic hardship of this tax. This tax is bringing people down and the best way to lift them up is to kill it. So are you saying the inheritance tax itself should go away or are you saying just for farmers or just for farmers farmers perhaps that who have ran a business for a certain period of time or they right. maybe they they provide this much products and services um but generally speaking farmers are very land rich but very money poor mm. and this inheritance tax is killing them because farming is largely a family business when you talk to local farmers in my district if you go if you come here to oneida county or madison county or or otsego county that's my district you're going to meet guys who have been you know their great 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 grandfather started this farm yes absolutely and you know that they this is a family business and I want to clarify, farmers are not stupid. They are extremely intelligent people. It's not just and dig a whole planet. Resourceful. They are very resourceful. Yes. They will do whatever it takes to keep those animals alive. They will Absolutely. do whatever it takes to keep their crop healthy. It, 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 and when people are neglecting them, it, it bothers me, especially since I had an upbringing on farms. Right. Well, so so I have uh, someone talking here. Shelly's asking about um, hemp oil. Hemp oil. Um, so let me shift and I, and let me mix both together. I love cannabis it. and farming. Mm -hmm. I feel like cannabis, and I brought this up when I was running for governor. That one of the best reasons to you know legalize cannabis is to allow farmers to have another cash crop, right? right? Whether that's hemp or cannabis or whatever they decide, whatever the farmer decides is the right crop for them, and they can create any type of you know home grow that they feel appropriate. There are many, many business owners I've talked to in my district who are very open and, and ready to move forward with legalization. But in spe especially in times like this, when sure. we're, we're living with a super virus and an ex existential hardship on the economy, we need to act quickly to save our communities before they collapse and enable them to do better business by nourishing their freedoms. Farmers, they need a cash crop now. They yes. need to make money now. And marijuana and hemp is going to do that. There's, there's, it's not just farming and, and, and retail that, that the ca cannabis and hemp industry provides. It is testing. It is uh, restaurants. You could have CBD yes. and uh, maybe an intoxicating THC bakery. You could sure. do that. Then there's also laboratory testing. We need to make sure that the cannabis is safe. And, and this could be, you know, just on a, uh, it doesn't need to be crazy, crazy regulated. It could just be a, um, like a better business bureau type thing, you know, sure. this, this, this laboratory does the best testing. So when I see their sticker on this package, that's how I know it's the best. Right. Capitalism again, Larry, capitalism that works very, very well. Keep talking about. Yes. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Good. All right. So, so I, I love the ideas you have. I love that you have actual policies, things you want to move forward. That's great. How do we make impact this year when we've got COVID, when we've got, Mm -hmm. All this, how do how are you going to be able to make any impact this year? 
Well, I would I would say to my fellow libertarian candidates, and I would also say to a, a lot of us who 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 are running who that generally didn't have the time um, to to go to sit town halls to to go places. Now you're at an advantage because now you can take advantage of this thing called the internet and start building your social media, start your own podcast. That's what I did. There are ways to reach people during this virus and we need to be advantageous and take advantage of it. We can't let the, the Democrats and the Republicans figure out before we do. And yes, the president, the, the president's already figured it out. Joe Biden's already figured it out. The but president figured out local, Twitter before all of us. Yeah. At the local <laughs> level, at the assembly level, at yeah. the, 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 the you're talking about school board. You're talking about this and the, the small uh, government levels. Largely, the Republicans and the Democrats—they're not going to be able to figure it out as fast as we can, right? Because we are a—we are becoming a a online movement. Yes. And Larry, you've been doing a hell of a job yourself, and so is Justin Namash and Judge Jim Gray. You guys have just been fantastic. Love it. Thank you, my friend. So, with that in mind, that's how we do it physically, but. There's an emotional aspect here, Jake, right? There, there are people who are afraid. They are afraid of, you know, Democrats are going to take over. The world's going to end. Republicans are going to take over. The world's going to end. So I got to make sure I vote red or blue because I'm afraid of the other red or blue. Or worse, I, COVID makes me so afraid that I just fall back to what I know. If I lean right, I, I pull the Republican lever. If I lean left, I pull the Democrat lever. And that's all I do. How do we get around that? That emotional act, what you said was logical. I get it. I'm asking the emotional side now, the fear. Sure. So libertarians are, are champions of liberty mm -hmm. and we progress towards and we conserve a perfect union. A vote for libertarian is a declaration of your independent thinking, mm. a rebellious act against the establishment. And it is a choice to tell the two political parties, either Republican or Democrat, that you are tired of being represented poorly. So you have to throw that wrench into the corruption machine. Got you it. have to make your voice heard. And especially in a state like ours, if you got any Republicans watching right now, I want them to hear this. New York is already going to vote blue. It's going to happen. Make the choice and vote libertarian because they're already going to vote blue or we're all going to vote blue. So we got to make sure that we are, we're voting for the best candidate. And I'm not just saying just vote blue because we need to vote, blue, uh, vote gold because we need to vote gold. We need to be picking the best candidate. F take the political parties out of the equation. I want you to imagine a ballot where it didn't have names and it didn't have political parties. It had policies. Mm, Which okay. one are you going to pick? I guarantee you 74% of this country is going to choose libertarian. Guaranteed, because they're going to see that, you know, oh, these are the guys that want to let biracial gay people own a pop farm and defend their pop farm with AR-15s and not pay any taxes. That sounds great to me. I'm in. <laughs> I'm in. <laughs> I love it. I'm in. Yeah. It's good. Okay. So, so let me ask, are there any niches in your area that you think will, you know, naturally come to you? People who, as soon as you start talking, they're going to go, Jake is my guy. First Amendment, first, uh, first Amendment and Second Amendment, right? Right now, and you, you asked me this at the beginning of the uh, of this of this live stream. Are there are there any issues? You, you asked me, are there any issues that have changed? Um, I when I started my campaign, it was about all these things that we just talked about, and it still is. 
But now more than ever, our first amendment is being threatened. Mm. Uh, we need to be a voice for that. Regardless of whether or not you think these, these people should be going out in the streets and protesting, regardless of whether or not you think that's a good, a good or bad idea, coronavirus aside, at no point in American history has the government regulated our First Amendment this much. You have the right to petition. You have the right to free speech. You have the freedom of religion. You have the freedom to go to your church if you want to, regardless of whether the, the government says so. That piece of the Bill of Rights was written to prohibit the government from doing what they're doing now. Benjamin Franklin said that freedom is always more important than safety. And I believe in Benjamin Franklin. Mm, got it okay well look i know you're out there i see you making your videos i see you going out there and doing stuff you're coming on this show you're doing your podcast i know you're running an attempt to win and i hope you win that'd be amazing what if you don't do you have a do you have a way of measuring what's a secondary win right i was very lucky in new york mm. i lost the election but my consolation prize was ballot access awesome consolation prize right not everyone has it that easy. Do you have one? I do. Um, but I, I want to let everybody know my campaign is about freedom first. I'm trying to raise awareness for our freedoms. That's the consolation prize. Okay. When I, when, if, uh, if I'm elected, your civil liberties will always be considered with every bill that my eyes look over and every bill that my hand writes. If you are a farmer, an educator, or business owner, my time and energy will be exhausted to serve you in the assembly. Mm. I am anti-government control, pro-freedom, and a dedicated capitalist. Okay. I'm the grim reaper of socialism, and I promise to prevent government overreach in every area to the point of civil disobedience. Beyond the political parties, the minutia of policy, and the subscription to any ideology, philosophy, or religion, I am a constitutionalist who promises to fight on all fronts to main, maintain your Bill of Rights in their entirety. So if I lose, I want everybody to know that there was a guy who threw that wrench and gave the establishment a run for his money. That's my consolation prize. And those people, when we see those results of the election day, yeah. whether or not I win... It is going to be a testament to show that people want liberty. People want freedom. People want to be heard. Do you do you have a way of measuring that in some way? Like, do you have a percentage you want to hit? Do you have a number of people who join the Libertarian Party that you want to hit? Do you have an amount of money you want to raise? Do you have um, um, a, a, a ballot initiative that you want to have put up? Do you want a law to be... You know, kind of put, do you want someone else to change their policies? Do you have any of these things you've thought of? If you haven't, it's okay. But I yeah. know sometimes when I talk to people, they go, oh yeah, yeah, Larry, I want this thing to happen. Do you have that? Absolutely. Um, I want to light a fire under the assembly's butt. I want ah, them to okay. realize that, you know, libertarian issues are important issues too. Uh, they need to be listening to us. And the majority of Americans sit somewhere in the middle mm -hmm. and they need to be listening to the middle more than they listen to the rest. It is also important for everybody to join the Libertarian Party, mm -hmm. and I'm, you don't need to do it today. You don't need to do it tomorrow. I'm yes, not telling. Today. <laughs> I'm not. Today. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not telling you who to vote for, but I want your vote. I want to earn your vote. I want you to earn the trust of the Libertarian Party. I, I mean, I want. I want you. I want to earn your trust. I want the Libertarian Party to earn your trust. I want the Libertarian Party to be your commitment. 
I want you to want to be a libertarian. And that's why I'm doing the podcast. That's why I'm running for office. But first, I want to win. (laughs) So is there anything as we wrap this up that you think you want to talk about um, that we haven't touched? I, I, not much. I, I do want to tell people. Uh, yeah, you want you want to get out of here, huh, Larry? No, I just want you to be satisfied. You got your word out. That's no, I, I think I think I am fairly satisfied. Oh, farming. Let's go right back to that. I want to talk about my district real quick, just in okay, case there's ahead. anybody in the assembly watching or any district watching. I want you to know, in districts like mine, farmers are living twenty to thirty years behind everyone else because they don't have internet. There is a massive broadband problem. And instead of forcing farmers to rely on government programs to have access to the internet, we should go directly to the commercial internet providers and offer them a hefty tax reduction for many years if they lay a line for our rural communities. It is a small price to pay to ensure these farmers can be success in the 20th century. We make up that shortfall in areas like education and tax revenue provided by, I don't know, cannabis. And (laughs) to touch on cannabis that one last time, We need to legalize it now. We need a cash crop now. Our farmers need help now. They can't be dumping milk. They can't be burying millions of pounds of food. They need help now. They need a way to make money and put bread on the table. Because if the farmers can't put bread on the table, they cannot put bread on our tables. I love that. Easy, easy way. I love that. Jake, this was... Go ahead. No, no, go, brother. Go. I want to do one last thing. I wanted to mention just one fun uh, tidbit novelty thing here about my campaign. If elected, I believe I will be the first, I will be the youngest representative in the New York state assembly since the 1880s when Teddy Roosevelt held office. Wow. <laughs> and I would also be hopefully the first libertarian. There we go. I love that. All right, Jake, thank you so much for coming today. I appreciate it. Guys, if you want to help out Jake, head on over to his website. It's right there. Jake for assembly dot polyengine.com go over there check out his podcast if you live in the new york in in the central new york area physically say you want to help out knock some doors when we open up go out there and 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 shake some hands kiss some babies maybe not anymore maybe do the fist bump and the wave anyway but whatever go out there help them out if you've got some cash if you're in the right spot where you can give them some cash do that go there and donate and throw them a couple bucks if you're not in the position to throw them any, any money i know some of us are in trouble because of covid you still got time so what does that mean? You can like, share, and comment on all this stuff. You can be his social media warrior, or you can physically show up and help him out. we got people doing stuff. Thank you so much, Jake. Thank you very much, Larry. All right, guys. I will see you all very soon.